need it and I need it. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church family that responds to encouragement, and I'm so grateful. Uh, Lord, as we come to our passage today, we need help because our finances, for many in this room, are in the tank, and we are just drowning in all kinds of debt. And so, Lord Jesus, we look to you because you are wisdom. You are the wisdom that we need. You personify wisdom in every way. The wisest thing we can do is have and experience a vibrant relationship with you, Jesus, connecting our lives with wisdom itself, which is you. Uh, Lord, we need your helpful and life-giving wisdom in order to put our financial journey back on track again. Many of us in this room have gotten off track. We need your help and your assistance and your wisdom uh, in our lives to get back on track. Lord, as we consider our future, whether it's retirement or otherwise, or our kids' futures, we ask that you would help us, give us the resolve, the desire, and the ability to set aside regular savings little by little to prepare for uh, short-term needs and emergencies and to prepare for short or long-term needs as well and for those who would go after us. Lord, I pray that every word I say would be for you and for your glory alone, not for me. We want you to be first and foremost and prominent. I ask for your anointing and your power in this moment to communicate your truths well and compellingly. Through Christ we pray. Amen. There's no video? Okay. Well, Bruce texted me and wanted me to call him this morning. Bruce is the guy that prepares everything. So I didn't have time because I was teaching, so that might have been about that. Let's now ask Edgar uh, Benitez. Where's Edgar? There he is. He is going to read uh, for us today's uh, scripture. So thank you very much for doing this, Edgar. Proverbs 13.11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever uh, gathers little by little will increase. Much, Edgar. Okay, let's uh, get down to business here. We're continuing our five-part sermon series entitled Money and the Wisdom of Proverbs. Today is part four, I believe, and this series actually comes to an end uh, next Sunday. Thus far in the series itself... Uh, the first week, we looked at true wealth. We, second week, we looked at wisdom and debt. Last week, we looked at wise spending. And today, we are looking and analyzing and trying to understand the idea of wise saving. Wise saving. And just for a quick refresher about why we're doing this sermon series is because a key part of Christian discipleship also involves your finances and how you manage the resources that God has entrusted to you. Stewardship is really a great way to look at our financial picture. Uh, that is why when you look at the teachings and the parables of Jesus, a full 25% of the parables of Jesus, these are stories with a point, 25% uh, of them have to do with money in some way. Did you know that there are over 800 verses in the, the Bible that have to do with money in some way? Meaning if you have thought that being a Christian is sort of like how this guy is holding his wallet outside of the baptisms of water, all right? And what he is saying here, and this is a joke, it's kind of funny, but this is actually kind of what it is for some Christians. It's kind of like, Jesus, you can have all the rest of me. You can have 95% of me, every part except for my wallet, every part except for my financial picture and my giving and my spending and my saving. Now, you might be saying, 
no Christian would actually do this or take this approach to separating their money from the kingship and the lordship of Jesus. No Christians would ever do that. I would say, you know what, I have run into this idea time and again. I don't know how many Christians I've heard over the years who somehow justify not giving to their local church because somehow Jesus has told them it's okay. Scripture does not tell us that message at all. Uh, it, Jesus says it's all of you, including your finances, needs to come under subjection and submission to the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. Um, I have to agree, uh, agree with the late, great uh, Billy Graham, and this is a great quote. This is a great quote, and he said this, If a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of his or her life. It just helps everything else. You might be wondering, why am I not growing spiritually? It could be that this is your idol. This is getting in the way of spiritual growth in other places. It could be. All right, now why would Billy Graham say this? Well, uh, Christian financial guru Dave Ramsey says these words. This is a great quote as well. He says, if Jesus doesn't control your money, your money will control you. If Jesus doesn't control your money, your money will control you. It's that powerful. So it has to, for your protection, for your protection, you need to submit your finances and the managing of your finances to King Jesus. It protects you from you. Let's now switch gears. I want to focus on the idea and the concept of wise saving. Wise saving. What do you think? Do you think Canadians are generally good at saving their money? Setting aside savings little by little, you know, so that it grows over time. Are we good at saving money? Someone over here said no. You are absolutely correct. We are terrible at saving money. In fact, people on the West Coast in Metro Vancouver are the worst at saving money in Canada because we have the highest cost of living here. But anyhow, let me uh, share with you uh, a finding, a study by newswire.ca. This is a recent article written by these guys, and they discovered that 85% of Canadians agree that they need to save more money, but 64% are not making savings a priority. In other words, it's not happening. Furthermore, 26% admitted they don't really save or never save at all. All right, 79% of those aged 35 to 54, they worry about not having enough money to retire when they want to. Is this not your concern as it is mine? Lastly, the top barriers, the top hurdles that stand in the way to you saving money here in Canada is threefold. First of all, you're not earning enough income, 46%. Getting derailed by unexpected expenses, 29%. Does that not happen all the time, by the way, it seems like? And lastly, struggling to pay simply e simple everyday expenses. That's about a quarter of the Canadian population. It's just, there's just not enough money. And here's what this boils down to. As we looked at last Sunday, most of us in Canada, in the Lower Mainland in particular, most of us are only one paycheck away from financial disaster. One paycheck away from financial disaster. We are living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Thank goodness for those paychecks. If those paychecks were not there, it'd be bad, very bad for us. And so what I want to share with you, so here's what this is like. I guess the word picture that came to mind as I was going over my notes this morning. Imagine walking alongside a cliff at the Grand Canyon, and you're just walking along that precipice. You know how your kids often want to see how close they can get to the edge before they maybe go over? And we're, we're basically, a lot of us in this room are just walking along the very edge of this precipice over the Grand Canyon, and all it takes is just one thing to whack us, one little thing, one little nudge, 
and there we are going over the cliff into financial oblivion. Isn't that a nice picture? Uh, encouraging. I just want to bring you some encouragement this morning. Uh, let me share with you the main point that I want to, want to bring to you and bring to your heart and your mind is this. It is wise and skillful as you live under the reign and rule of King Jesus to set aside regular savings for short-term and long-term needs. If this is a wise, very skillful, very competent thing for you to do is set aside savings uh, for short-term needs and long-term needs as you love and trust and follow uh, Jesus. That's our main thing. This is what Proverbs shouts to you and I. It shouts this message to you and I when it comes to our savings as we follow God. Who does not want more savings in your financial picture? We all want more savings set aside. We all want more financial stability and strength in our lives. And we do that, we should want that to serve Jesus more effectively, to serve others that we love more effectively. Is there nothing better than being able to, to give money to those who, who, that, whom we love in times of need? Yes, hopefully they'll use it in a wise way. So in your notes, there's a sermon outline in your bulletin. If you do want to follow along, you can fill in the blank, and it's very exciting. Number one on that outline, number one is this, the first biblical truth about Proverbs and wise saving. Wisely saving your sa sorry, wisely building your savings brings fortress-like stability, fortress-like stability to your life and your future. Imagine that. We want fortress-like stability being built in your financial picture. Back in the day when I was a kid, eight and nine, eight or nine years old, my buddy and I were working on constructing a tree fort in his backyard. And we were so proud of this tree fort. And we imagined ourselves basically being in this tree fort. Or the question is, why do we build this tree fort? This isn't the actual picture, by the way. This one's much better than the one that we had. But why in the world would we as kids make this tree fort? Here's why. Um, to defend against the enemy. It was all about self-protection. That nebulous enemy in our imaginations and in our minds that was seeking to do harm against us eight or nine-year-olds, like Darth Vader, for example. He wanted to bring us down. Still does. No, I think he's dead. Anyhow, worse than Darth Vader was Gargamel from the Smurfs, and we built this tree fort to protect ourselves from Vader and Gargamel. And again, we imagine ourselves pretending we, we were fortifying, strengthening this fort, which in, in reality could fall apart at any second, but this fort would protect us keep us safe from the enemy. What a sense of security that we felt. What a sense of confidence that that terrible fort gave us little kids. And so can your savings, if you build it up, give you a similar sense, a, a better sense of confidence and security in your life to, to protect yourself from unexpected emergencies as you entrust yourself to the Lord. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter uh, 10, verse 15. It says, A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. Rich man's wealth is his strong city. Poverty of the poor is their ruin. Before you might assume that this proverb is sort of singing the praises of the rich and the wealthy and the famous and how great it is to be rich and then demonizing the poor, it's not making that point. Okay, it is not making that point. It's just making a general observation for how it generally goes in the world. And the point this proverb is making is having some wealth, having some savings can protect you from the enemies named poverty 
from the enemies named misfortune, from the enemy named ruin. It can protect you from those enemies, and those are bad enemies. Now, that being said, Jesus makes it very clear all throughout the Gospels about the dangers of possessing a lot of wealth, all right? He, he talks about if you trust in wealth more than me, that's going to spell spiritual disaster for you. How difficult it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, all right? How difficult it is for a wealthy person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know why? Because they're trusting in their wealth more than they're trusting Jesus. That's the core issue, all right? So that does not negate... The, the truth of this proverb, though, having some money in your bank can protect you from some hardships in life that could ruin you, and some hardships in your life are still coming, and some hardships that you are not yet expecting are coming. How nice of me, again, to encourage you, but we need to be ready for these things. We need to be wise about these things, okay? For example, some of us in this room are getting older. In fact, everybody in this room, even our kids are getting older. We're all getting older. And as you get older, what happens? Your body starts to break down, and your brain starts to break down, and your ears get bigger, and your nose gets longer as well. That's the only thing that keeps growing, and your gut. Anyhow, I'm not pointing at anybody here, by the way. I'm just pointing at myself. But anyhow, bad things happen when you age, okay? Your body breaks down, your mind starts breaking down. Now, just imagine that your health goes sideways, Something bad happens health-wise to you, okay? And you can't work for three months. You can't work for six months. You can't work for a year. You can't work for 18 months because you're, you're broke down. And the problem is you are the main breadwinner and income earner. Could you survive this financial transition well without any disability insurance? What if you have no disability insurance? Can you survive that transition well? Yes, you can. You know how you can? savings if you put aside some savings in advance of that let's move on to another example uh, back in the downturn remember the economic downturn credit crunch 2008 to 2010 mainly in the states but it affected us as well home prices really tanked here well, went down they were still quite high but anyhow we had a bunch of people in our church from 2008 to 2010 they lost their jobs like multiple multiple people all at once in our church family yes there's ei praise god for employment insurance but that only takes you so far. So the question is, could you survive financially if you lost your job, you're laid off from your job for 6 or 12 or 18 months? Yes, you can if. Yes, you can if you have some fortress-like savings set aside somewhere. One last example. And this is a, just a heads up, a friendly heads up. Uh, financial experts are currently forecasting that interest rates will go which direction? They're only going up, and that's been the trend over the last year or so. And experts think they could go quite a bit more up in the coming years, okay? And so if you have a mortgage right now, the question is, could you pay uh, your mortgage if your mortgage rate went up by one point or two points or five points or imagine 20 points from where they are now, which they did get up to in the early 80s? Could you pay that mortgage payment now? Most of us who live in Metro Vancouver, we are most vulnerable to interest rate hikes. And so what can help protect you from these potential hikes? Fortress-like savings. Fortress-like savings. Strength-inducing savings. So the question is, the question is simply this. Think about this. Think about yourself. Maybe this is you already. Are you willing to live as frugally as you can 
in order to begin to save more money if you are not saving any money right now in order to build more protections and strength into your, your financial picture. Let's move on to this. Do I sound like a financial advisor or what? This is kind of embarrassing. Uh, but these are truths from Scripture. And, uh, you know, financial advisors, you know, like Bill's one, you can just you can use Scripture all day long for your line of work. So you can just say, hey, it's God's wisdom. It, this is from God. Uh, let's move on to number two in your, in your notes here uh, about biblical uh, guidance for saving. Wisely saving your money requires initiative, hard work, and careful planning like the ant. It, it requires initiative, hard work, and careful planning like the ant. Yes, the ant, the an insect. And I don't know about you, but I love ants. I especially love chocolate-covered ants. Ever, anyone ever had those before? No, I haven't either, actually. I'm just joking. Uh, but I like ants uh, in general and insects. They're very industrious, very intelligent creatures. They're very small. And the fact that they are small does not mean that they are not large in wisdom. God has given ants a lot of wisdom. God is the maker of these, these little ants, and they're very, very wise. King Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, identifies this intelligence and wisdom. Uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, basically the lazy person. Look at the ant. Look at them. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest for winter. That's the assumption. So what this means is ants are very smart. Ants are wise. Ants are actually wiser than a lot of people. King Solomon is saying even this lowly tiny ant, he possesses or she possesses the self-control to not overeat in one shot, to, to plan ahead, to store up for winter because winter is always coming. Winter is the time when no food can be found uh, by the ant. And so the ant has to save up for winter. God has wired ants to do this instinctually, instinctively. And yet we, we are supposed to be a little smart, smarter and wiser than ants. And yet we have a hard time with this idea of storing away some savings for winter. Are you storing away for winter right now? Are you storing away for winter right now? You can do this. Let's move on to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. It says these words, uh, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it, basically eats it, okay? Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling set aside, but a foolish man eats that stuff up and doesn't plan ahead. So the wise, Jesus-fearing, Jesus-following person, they have a stash of cash set aside somewhere, the wise person puts savings aside for a rainy day, but on the other hand, again, the foolish person does not. They don't plan ahead. The fool spends all their money. They spend their money, and it's unwise, unwise. And when you try to reason with the fool, I mean, that's kind of in your face a little bit, but when you try to reason with the fool to not, you shouldn't spend all your money. What does he say, though? He says, I'm trying, just get off my back. I'm trying to enjoy my life, okay? I have a hard life. And so I, I deserve some enjoyment and some joy once in a while. Actually, a lot of joy. And so I'm going to go on this exotic vacation that I can't afford. I'm going to buy this new car, even though I have no savings in place and I can't really afford these big payments. Um, I'm going to buy this house with this massive mortgage payment, even though I have no savings in place and, and no plan to put savings in, in place at all. And so denial is not just a river in Egypt. It's not. Denial is the world that this fool happens to live in, and it will, it will, it will catch up to him later on. It's just a matter of time, because you know why? Winter 
is coming. Winter is coming. In fact, it could be said that winter might be here already. Not just the seasonal winter. I'm talking about an economic kind of winter, okay? This is kind of happening. Salaries are not increasing, especially in the lower mainland. But prices of everything else is going up. Gas prices are sky high. Housing costs are insane. Unexpected medical emergencies happen all the time. And so here's what I want to land this point with is this statement. Like the ant, as you trust King Jesus, he personifies, he defines wisdom. You need to save your money before winter comes. Like that ant. Thirdly in your notes about the wisdom from Proverbs about saving your money is this. Wisely saving means simply gathering it little by little. Gathering some money little by little versus the quick fix over here. Little by little versus the, the quick fix. I don't know if you've encountered that person. Uh, I used to be around a person back in the day. They were always trying to find the next big thing. The next big payoff, all right? If you invest in this so-called opportunity, this gold mine in Australia, just you know, invest your, your 10 grand, your 20 grand, your 50 grand, guaranteed it will triple in value or, or you know, it'll, 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 it'll be 10 times in value in just a couple of years. You can hit it big uh, in an instant. The problem is instantaneous wealth like that, it rarely ever happens. Yes, sometimes, but it rarely occurs. The odds are one in a million or one in a billion. And Proverbs 13, verse 11, sort of speaks to this idea, this bad idea, uh, when it says these words. You guys, you guys still with me? It says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. If you gain it hastily, it will dwindle. Little by little, you will increase it. And so what this means is, this is really profound. This is really, really good stuff. What this means is, even if you do manage to sort of get rich in a very quick way, maybe you acquire a lot of wealth through inheritance or something else, all of a sudden you've got all this money. Well, most people will find it difficult to not overspend that money and cause that money, that big amount of money in a short period of time to go down very quickly. The temptation to not spend it is too much for most people. It's too much for a lot of people to not depend on that inheritance or whatever that big amount of money is. And, and so part of what Solomon is saying here is money gained that you actually don't work for will often mean you don't appreciate its value and you haven't gained adequate skill in managing that. How many of us could manage a million dollars well if you just instantly received it? You're saying, oh man, now I can buy a house and buy that car and all this and all that. But we haven't gained, how many of us in this room have skill to manage large quantities of, of money? Well, that takes time to manage that kind of amount of money well. But here's the thing. On the flip side, if you build up wealth over the long haul, we are talking over 10 years, over 20 years, over 40 years, maybe more. If you do that faithfully and wisely, you will likely understand the value of that money much more um, significantly. You will appreciate that, month, that savings more because you know how hard it was to build up that savings to that amount little by little over the decades. And so therefore, because you know how hard you work to build that up, you will therefore be less tempted to dip into that savings irresponsibly. You see how this works? Isn't that just so profound? Maybe this just is, it's just me, I don't know. But this makes so much sense. Here's a quick analogy for you as I try to, to uh, flesh this out a little bit. Imagine with me 
Let's imagine that we are going to buy a piece of land, an acreage, for example. We buy a piece of land, it's empty, one acre. And you decide, you know what, I'm going to build a house on my new, newly purchased acre of land. And so what you do, you create the cement footings and you build the basement and the foundation. You then nail together the subfloor and you put up the walls and then you put up the roof and then you do the, the electrical and the plumbing, the drywall and the paint. You do all the work, you build your own house. Now in the meantime, where did you live? You lived in a trailer on that same property and not the nice trailer. We are, we are, we are talking the, the portable trailer that moves around, the one that you uh, pull behind your van, okay? And you're living in that trailer for three years, 36 months, and as you live in that horrible trailer, you are painstakingly chipping away at constructing and building this beautiful new home. And finally, after three years, you finish the job. It is done. It is gorgeous. It is comfortable. It is everything that you dreamed it might be. Now, let me ask you, do you think that you will maintain this house that you built more carefully than the person who simply either wins the house on the the lottery, they got a house all of a sudden, the dream house lottery, is what, I think it was what it's called, or you just go and buy the house because maybe you inherited a bunch of money, all of a sudden this house just kind of drops in your lap? Will you maintain your house better, more effectively than the person who just kind of gets this house just out of the blue? You will maintain your house much more meticulously. You will love this house much more meticulously. You will look after and maintain this house much more meticulously because you have a better idea of the value of this home, of what went into this home to, to make it the, the beautiful home that it is today. You know how much blood, sweat, and tears went into the making of this, this home. So therefore, you will be less prone to abusing your own home or taking it for granted or, or, or making unwise mistakes with this home that will decrease the value of your home. Do you see where I went with this? Does any of that make sense? And so it is. Same thing, same principle, same idea occurs when you build up your savings little by little over the long haul, over decades. You know how hard it was, how, how much pain it was, and self-discipline it took to build that savings up, to gain interest slowly and little by little, and therefore you'll be much less prone to blowing through it you know that person? I know you probably have that person in your life. They're blowing through money like crazy. They somehow had this windfall, and they're just blowing through it, and it's not going to be around for much longer. They're enjoying it, but that enjoyment won't be there for much longer. There's just not much wisdom in that. The wisdom of God is found in saving little by little. In your notes, let's move on to the fourth or the third. The fourth key biblical truth from Proverbs. I know what I'm doing. Fourth pro uh, biblical truth from Proverbs about wise savings is this. this is, I think this is the last one, or the second last one. Uh, wisely saving doesn't only help you, it helps those who come after you. It doesn't just help you to save your money, it helps those who come after you. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. I'm standing, or we are standing on the shoulders of giants, all right? In other words, we are standing on those, the shoulders of those who went before us, and the idea is simply this, the only way that you got to where you are today is because of the people who went before you, the people who loved you and raised you, the people who invested in you. Without those people who did all of that for you, you would not be in the place that you are now today. Kids very often don't understand this idea, do they? We only understand it once we become adults, and I'm not slamming kids here, by the way. All right? 
don't take this personally, uh, but without those people who went before you, you would not be in the place that you are today. Now, this can also work in a negative sense. Those who treated you badly in, in a negative way in your growing up years, it affects who you are today, so that can also be the other side, but let's focus on the positive here. We often forget about how much impact those who went before us have had on us. Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. It says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Now, what this means is, it is good for you to work on building up your wealth and savings in order to, to leave something behind when you go to heaven. Leave something to your children. Leave something substantial to your grandchildren or to your nieces or your nephews or whoever, maybe other family members or maybe even church family members. Now, why would you do this? Because otherwise, very often, the Lord will direct the sinner's wealth, the person who lives for self, who, who does not save money for others, and, and, and very often the, the Lord will direct that inheritance to someone who actually does fear the Lord. And follow Jesus. So it's almost saying that if you don't wisely build up an inheritance for those who come after you, God might ensure that that inheritance goes to a person who follows God. You might as well do the right thing. You might as well direct it to your children and grandchildren if you have them or other family members. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, it's not really a favorite bumper sticker, it actually irks me. This is an aggravating bumper sticker. We don't see it as often anymore. Uh, but you often see these bumper stickers on the backs of these huge one or two hundred thousand uh, dollar RVs or motorhomes. And basically the bumper sticker is, we are spending our children's inheritance. We are spending our children's inheritance. And are they ever at that one or two hundred grand RV? And it's funny, makes, makes a person chuckle, sort of. All right, but is it funny? Really? It's true. Do you really need that a super expensive motorhome or car, do you, you know, is it, okay, it's not wrong to enjoy God's blessings, it's not, but here's the thing, if your enjoyment is reducing what might help your kids or future grandchildren down the road, then it's unwise. If your enjoyment is getting in the way of helping their future, then it's probably unwise. So it's a balanced thing, we've got to balance this. Yes, we can enjoy life, but we can't sort of destroy, you know, other people's futures. This is a real thing, by the way. How many elderly parents have I seen? I've seen all kinds of elderly parents over the years. They are burning through cash like crazy. Burning through money. Burning through the inheritance like it's going out of style. And they're thinking, I better spend it now because I'm only going to be around here for a short time. i got to spend it before it's too late. And I'm just saying, this is a bad idea, very unwise, self-centered idea all around. Imagine this. Here's an example for you. You know, we live in some of the highest, uh, we have the highest cost of living in North America in large part because of real estate and housing prices. And if you think real estate prices are bad today, imagine what they will be in five years. Imagine what they will be in 10 years. Imagine what they will be in 30 or 40 years. Housing, just a basic condo, for example. Imagine the prices of those. Um, your kids or grandkids, will they not need all the financial help they can get to buy a, just a basic home, entry-level condo even, townhouse? Absolutely, they will need all the help they can get. You probably needed all the help you could get if you own a home to get into that place. 
and they will need even more help than we receive, perhaps. And so, therefore, we got to we got to we got to save with the future in mind. We got to save with the future in mind in order to best honor the Lord Jesus. We must do this, it, it, not just for our own future, but for those who come after us. And now I have our final point, number five. I think it might be number five in your notes is a call to action. All right, Bob. Uh, from Port Kells Church is big on the call to action sort of approach, and so we were, are working on this series together. And uh, so here's the call to action, and this isn't straight out of Scripture, but the idea of it, uh, the principles of it are, and it's this. Imagine yourself saving and investing about 5 to 15 percent of your income for the future. Maybe see 5 percent as a minimum if you can. Can you imagine yourself setting aside 5 or 15 percent of your paycheck every payday? It's just a good, helpful thing to do. Some of you are looking at me and you're, and you're saying, ain't happening. Ain't happening. It's just too expensive. All right, so we'll just adjust it. Just adjust it accordingly. But save something, even if it's 100 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month. And again, you're not just doing this for yourself or for your future retirement. You're doing it for other people. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith, and is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, that's pretty harsh, but what this means is part of the provision that, that we are responsible for, if you have kids and other family members, is to help pay for your kids' education and pay uh, for your kids' future down payment for their homes if you can. Now, I'm going to move on to something else, and I'm going to close with something else that may seem completely unspiritual, and, and this is just to give you an idea of the power of savings and the idea of saving money is a biblical concept and principle, but here's the power of savings and the wisdom behind it and how it can help you and help those who come after you as you follow uh, Jesus in your life. And what I want to share with you is the power of compound interest. The power of compound interest. You may have heard of this if you've ever sat down with a financial advisor. Very often they will bring this up and they are wise to do so. The power of compound interest and saving money over the long haul and getting on the right side of interest is a very helpful kind of thing. I want to give you an example, and we are going to take just an average gross annual salary of about 60 grand. Now, for some of you, that's much more than what you make currently. For others of you, it's less. But let's imagine, let's just level it off at about 60 grand gross. And let's say that your monthly payment towards saving, 5% of your gross income is 250 bucks a month. You set aside 250 bucks a month uh, every month, and that's what you do. Now, let us go with the average rate of return over the last 100 years or so, and this is probably a little too high, 10%. That's the average rate of return uh, over the last 100 years is about 10% a year. Believe it, believe it or not, it's true. Uh, probably a little higher than it is currently, but anyhow, let's go with that. What will that amount work out to, $250 a month, over these period of years? In 10 years, okay, that will work out to 52 grand, 52 and a half grand. In 20 years, that will work out to 189 grand. In 30 years, it will work out to 542 grand. That's a lot of, that's a lot of money to help you and help those who come after you, is it not? Now, what if we now bump up? Let's, let's say we're getting really ambitious. That was just 5%. Let's bump it up to 10%, which is uh, setting aside 500 bucks a month to your savings. Now, the interest rate we'll run with is about 10%. In 10 years, you'll have 105 grand. 20 years, you'll have 378 grand. And amazingly, in 30 years, you will have uh, over a million dollars. So you can see the wisdom of saving 
the wisdom of getting on the right side of interest, having your money work for you instead of working against you with, you know, interest payments against you that you have to pay, in, you know, not just the principal, but you have to pay in addition to that principal as well. Get on the right side of interest. And so let me close with these words, all right? I want you to consider your own financial picture and how you manage the finances God has given you to manage and steward. What can you do? What can you do to wisely save more money as you live under the reign and rule of King Jesus in your life? Do you have a budget? Do you have a spending plan in place now where you are organizing your finances and you are keeping a tab on, on the outflow of your money? Do you have a budget? If you don't have a budget, I would say you are not going to be saving any money at all. You need a budget. You need a spending plan that ensures that you set aside some money, at least 100 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month, if nothing else. 25, something. Uh, some say that it's, it's more the discipline than it is the amount. It's more the discipline than it is the amount. And the more that you get into this habit, the more you end up increasing that amount that you set aside. Further, do you need to work on putting together uh, what is known as an emergency savings fund? That can be three months of income or six months of income. Six months wages is better than three months wages. But you do this because you know winter is coming. It might happen to me in some way. I might get laid off. There might be a health emergency. Are, are you working on setting aside three to six months uh, income uh, for, for a, an emergency? And then lastly, do you need to also, in addition to the three or six month uh, amount, put together a smaller emergency amount? So Dave Ramsey recommends putting aside uh, one or two grand for uh, just emergency needs that come up, like the hot water heater blows up or the washing machine is leaking like ours was about three weeks ago. And, and of course, I did the cheap fix, which probably won't fix anything long term. But anyhow, I am that cheap. But anyhow, emergencies happen. Your car breaks down, right? It's breaking down all the time. And so to have one or two grand set aside, you can quickly access that to pay that emergency bill. And then when you, you spend that money, you top that up again for the next emergency. This is just wisdom all around. This is the wise way to live under the reign and rule of Jesus. Don't love money more than Jesus. Don't love savings more than Jesus. No, love King Jesus first and foremost. And then as you do that, you leverage his wisdom in your finances to fortify your life, to strengthen your life from the impact of hard times. Those enemies are coming. Winter is coming. Are you ready? Let's, let's leave it at that. Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, thank you for all the direction that you've given us in Scripture and Proverbs specifically. And uh, I realize this, 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 is, this is hard to put into practice. Uh, boy, expenses seem to be only increasing. Our incomes are not increasing. The math does not add up. And so we need help. We need a miracle in some cases. Uh, but we ask for the self-discipline. And the right motivation to set aside regular savings, whether it's big or whether, whether it's small, whatever, whatever we can do, to realize it's more the discipline than the amount, uh, to be ready for those emergencies when they come. And we know that the world is broken and sinful. It is not as it should be. We are every day affected by the, the world's brokenness. But to actually incorporate this wisdom to protect us from those things uh, would be helpful for us. So give us the resolve Give us the self-discipline. Give us the motivation and the power to set aside those savings as your Holy Spirit provides. Uh, Lord, you are the ultimate one who saves. You saved us from ourselves. You saved us from living uh, self-centered lives where money is, money is for us and only us. Uh, thank you for saving us from that. 
and, and saving us from ourselves, save, saving us from Satan, sin, and death, saving us from the judgment of God. And Lord Jesus, you alone did that. You earned salvation for us. You earned forgiveness of our sins for us, and we are eternally grateful. And as we approach the Lord's Supper, we are mindful of all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that if anyone is here who is ready to take that next step or wants to at least consider taking the next step towards following you and incorporating your wisdom in their lives, I pray that they would come talk to somebody, a Christian or myself, after the service today. Lord, we love you, we worship you, we honor you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. So now we're going to transition, we're going to respond to God.